I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you're listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. We're back and we're going to continue the countdown again today. We are at number 74 through 70. We're we're a little over halfway through the first half of the list. This is taking a while, but I'm having a really good time doing it. Yeah, we're taking our sweet time with it, but we're making sure all the games get their just due at least. And, and you could argue they're still not, but we're doing what we can with what time we ha- we have. And we don't we don't want to talk about these games for two hours straight. We'll probably bore you guys to tears. They're starting <laughs> to get real good. Yes, I know they are. Every episode, I, they're definitely getting uh, a lot more interesting. And some of them are, since I've made the list, I've, I've forgotten about some of, some of them. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I finally get to talk about that one. So that's that's getting pretty fun. And they're getting they're getting more and more personal too. I feel like as we kind of go down the list here, which makes sense since our list, as it would. So, Buck, how about you go ahead and get us started this week? All right. Well, number seventy five here. I think we're doing seventy five to seventy one. Is that what it is? Yes. I just need and... to stop announcing what the episode is. I'm gonna leave that <laughs> to you now. So we're gonna start with seventy five then. And uh, number seventy five here is gonna be an all time classic. All-time classic, basically to me and you, and probably not a lot of other people. Interesting. We put a crap ton of hours into this game, and I don't know that I've really heard anyone else talk about it. King of Dragons. Nope, more obscure than that, but it, you're on the right track. It's a beat up, beat em up for the SNES. It's more obscure than King of Dragons? Yes, it is. Peacekeepers? Heck yeah, <laughs> Peacekeepers. <laughs> Fantastic. Second episode, it's gotten to shine. <laughs> what other episode do we give a shine? Like co-op episode. We talked about it, well, maybe, but we also talked oh. about it during the co-op episode. Duh, yeah, episode no number so one. Hours. That's right. <laughs> it kind of inspired the podcast, if you will. I mean, we could just be called the Peacekeepers instead of the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Uh, we could. I, I don't think we'd have as fun of an intro, but we could just play the uh, the opening thing to the game and just <laughs> get on with it. <laughs> Which nobody knows what that is except us. So. <laughs> no, I can't really reenact it on here. That would sound really weird. Yeah, that's for sure. But yeah, what a what a classic. No, a I, I feel like nobody's much. played it. No, nobody for sure outside of our little circle of friends that would be forced to play Peacekeepers besides us. No one has played that game. In that game or any of the rest of the series either. What's it, Rival Turf and Brawl Brothers? Brawl Brothers is actually on the... Uh, the uh, what is the Switch SNES free games? Is it really? Yeah, I would that's have an inter- that's that. an interesting choice for sure. Especially since they should have put Peacekeepers instead. Yeah, Peacekeepers is a better game, but I don't remember but, the first one too much. But I remember playing Brawl Brothers. It's not too bad. Well, Dell had Rival Turf, and I have Brawl Brothers, and then you had Peacekeepers. Mm. See, we're friends for a reason. <laughs> We got each other covered. That's right. But uh, Peacekeepers is the old school beat em up. I want to say it came out in 94, I want to say. Probably 94 or 5 from uh, Jellico, or Jellico, however they pronounce that, which is a company that I don't believe exists anymore, unfortunately. No, did their, did their run end around the uh, 16-bit era? I think so, because I don't even remember them coming out with stuff on, the like you said, the PlayStation Saturn 64 era. Yeah, I don't remember either. I don't know. Did they also... Did they do anything besides software and games? Uh, 
No. Recently, though, as in like the past couple of years, they released a, a new SNES cart that has Peacekeepers, Brawl Brothers, Rival Turf, all of them in one like officially licensed cart. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I have yet to see it. Well, I mean, I saw it on eBay. That was about it. <laughs> and I thought it was like a knockoff thing, but it's not. It's actually a legit thing. Well, so they still exist out there. I don't they know if com- they exist or if someone, like, it's called, like, the Jelco Beat-Em-Up Collection or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing someone probably just bought out the rights and then just released it. But I could be wrong. Yeah, now they're out of business, too. <laughs> Most <laughs> that's, likely. That's disappointing. We didn't even buy that, so I'm sure the company that bought him, like you said, it's also out of business. Their biggest fans aren't even buying their collection. That's very true. Yeah, that the whole series is just like a really fun, obscure, two-player beat-em-up brawler. But, I mean, those were a dime a dozen on the Super NES, but there is something pretty special about Peacekeepers. Besides the lack of any type of music besides sound effects, like at MacLeod Falls, literally just you hear the sound of a waterfall the entire level and there's no music, period. Yeah. Well, I mean, that reminds me very specifically about the first time that we played it and we had no <laughs> idea what to think of the game. Like, like, what we is had, this? We had no idea what was going on and just just the strangest happenings. I don't know. Like, I, I think it definitely comes down to like the game is just full of just lots of little details or or glitches or charm <laughs> or whatever you want to call character sure there it, it's one of those games that it, it I, I i say it a lot it, it's hard for me to put into words why some games are cool or why they're important to me this is a game that's very difficult to explain why it's special because there's <laughs> it kind of just like pisses in the wind of everything that makes a game really good <laughs> and if we don't like it, ironically, it's, it, I know that's what it sounds like I'm saying. No, I mean, it is like a solid game. We've probably played through it like 30, 40 times. Oh, so. I'd say so. And it took us a long time to even beat because the game's fairly hard and it has multiple paths, which is one cool feature. Every level has multiple paths. So the first handful of times we played it, we, we were even more confused because we ended up fighting different bosses and going different ways each time. Yeah, and, th- and that's pretty cool. And you start off with your, your roster of uh, four characters. And you can also unlock, I think it's up, is it only up to two more along the... Yeah, Norton and Orbot. Norton and Orbot. So depending upon the paths that you take, you can unlock them and and uh, pick them throughout the levels. They have their own unique moves and things of that nature. So that's well worth looking into. Like trying to take certain paths and trying to unlock certain scenarios. Some of them are just like really vague and like we've read up scenarios on the internet <laughs> on like game facts and we still can't recreate them. Even though we still can't find certain paths like Yamato or whatever that one guy is, we've still never seen him in the game, period. Because the game has a really cool feature where you can actually customize every single character in the game, like all the regular enemies, like the uh, called squashes and fanords. You can change the colors of everyone in the game, period, make them look just ridiculous. Every enemy, every main character, every, pretty much every object in the game. Every like destru- steel barrel. Yeah, destructible objects. You can go in there and it, there's just a really finely detailed color editor. And you can make everything just look like it's covered in like bloody rashes. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's really odd, strange, and an excellent adventure. And 
Did I, did I just make a Bill and Ted reference there? I may have. <laughs> I was thinking Gutex and Mike Ross, but yes. Uh, there you go. That too. But I don't that that's another reason why I think the game is kind of replayable. You go ahead and you you create those custom characters and you get to see them as you're going through the levels. Yeah, you can make it look as ridiculous or you can spend as much time as you want making it look cool and it doesn't save the doesn't save your progress so every time you got to redo it. So it's it's, unique it, it's a good 20 30 minutes before you play the game. It is. It's time well spent. It is it I'll is time that. well spent. But I mean outside of that, I mean the game mechanics are are really solid too. Like it's everything you'd want from a your your average two player co-op beat 'em up game. You got, you know, you got like punching combos throws uh special weapons yeah you got specials uh there's actually a relatively large amount of moves per characters too i I think even after like our second or third playthrough we were still finding stuff which is pretty going to like you go into rage mode right before you die or is it anger mode oh man what was that it must be anger mode yeah yeah you start like mode start flashing like red and white translucent colors and <laughs> you just go ape shit on everything yeah like i use pro cop and he's basically a kind of like a carbon copy of the undertaker that goes around and walks really slow and choke slams people and like when you choke slam someone anger mode they bounce like 20 feet in the air for no good reason yeah. besides it just being fun and ridiculous <laughs> yes <laughs> sound effects like we talked about before just solid and on point like you just hear fire it's just an all generic awesome glory it's some of just like the weirdest characters and dialogue you'll ever see in a video game like i know there's some legendary dialogue that people talk about still to this day uh (laughs) you know from castlevania symphony of the night resident evil lots of other games (laughs) this game's got some weird shit in it it really does uh and and definitely quote worthy but I'd hate to ruin it, and I just haven't played it in a while, so I don't really remember. I but remember I just... Shakespeare quotes in there, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just just some really off-the-wall characters. I feel like some of the some of the scenarios and the characters, they just, the creators were just like, yeah, I just want to just slap a bunch of shit in here that doesn't make sense. It's like they made, <laughs> like, three or four different games, and none of them worked out, so they tried to smack, smash them together, and for some reason, it's a gem. Well, yeah, and there's literally like the one level where you go up up the floors in the hospital and then you get to Connor and he pile drives you through like 13 floors of the hospital and then you fight him. Yeah. It doesn't happen in any other game. I told you 75 was going to be a good start. Yeah. As you said, a heavy hitter indeed. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we did it justice, but I hope we, we put some hype behind it. You guys check it out. Like we said, that's Peacekeepers for the SNES. Yeah, definitely play it co-op if you can. Oh, yeah. You get more out of it. And definitely definitely try Well, you can actually play it four players. You get a four <laughs> player uh, battle arena mode. You can throw is... your barbed wire bat in a complete straight line. Interesting stuff. A, a, a cool game indeed. Uh, definitely worth picking up. I, I'm i sure it's probably very expensive at this point. Probably like every SNES game costs a fortune, but yeah. Peacekeepers is worth it. Just less, just less known, so it might be a little cheaper. But I do think it's actually fairly uncommon too. So you're definitely not going to find it out in the wild. All right. Oh, that's a that's going to be a hard one to yeah, follow up, but I'm going to try. And this might be uh, this might be the highest ranked sports game on my list. 
It very well Ooh. could be, and I'm sure you weren't expecting one of those. Unless it's, yeah, I, I mean, I have an idea if you're talking about an, an NES sports game. But... No, I'm not, no, I'm not. Oh, okay. um, it's actually going to be, uh, we're going to stick with the SCDS and Genesis era, and that's going to be NBA Jam Tournament Edition. Oh, I did not see this one coming. Yeah, I know. I we've I don't think we've ever played this game together. We haven't. No. Uh, and I know that you're, I don't even know if you like this game, to be honest with you. I don't know if we've ever talked about it. No, NBA Jam is a good time. I mean, Tournament Edition is the best version of it. Yeah, be it for the, the Genesis uh, Super Nintendo or uh, the PlayStation, the, the PS1 version is actually very good, too. I think that's the one that you can actually play as like some of the Mortal Kombat characters. Didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I remember playing like Bill Clinton and stuff, and like the the Genesis version is the one I put the most time into. Yeah, the yeah, that's the one I played the most too. The Super Nintendo version you play as like Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff, and there's like well, that's way cooler. Yeah, you know, not disagreeing, man. I'm not disagreeing. But yeah, there's a there's a ton of characters, but uh, NBA Jam has always been like the most fun iteration of a basketball game that uh, that I've ever played. I always prefer more of a, an arcade style. Uh, sports game in general, you know, be it this uh, Super Tech Mobile is one of my favorite uh, football games. Uh, NFL Bliss is fun too, but uh, NBA Jam. I used to play a lot of this on the uh, Super NES uh, with one of my buddies. Uh, not you, obviously, but me and <laughs> one of my buddies. We, we used to play this a lot, and we used to go for you know undefeated seasons. We'd go for like three hundred games or some shit, and uh, yeah, we had we we would just play it for hours on end and. If you want fast-paced, two-on-two, you know, just ridiculous uh, basketball action where literally no rules apply except for goaltending and a shot clock, uh, everything else is is free reign. Throwing elbows, uh, blocking shots, ridiculous dunks from half court, you name it. NBA Jam kind of has that like adrenaline-fueled sports game experience that uh, especially arcade players uh, would probably... Uh, prefer in their sports game so and if you like oh, yeah. if you like easter eggs and special characters i mean nba jam is 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 the way to go because I, I believe it was it was made by midway so and they were always yes very well known for putting lots of fun secrets and things that didn't belong in a game but they were just like this is a cool joke people are going to appreciate that and i think that's a big reason why these games are still talked about today oh for sure and like any good sports game has replay value in spades. And NBA Jam, it's definitely, it's no different. And the games are super fast, which is awesome. Obviously, the game runs at a pretty fast clip, but you also have just, like, temporary, like, turbo mode that you can turn on for your characters. Uh, if, if you're playing really well and you're you're shutting down your opponent, uh, you go into on-fire mode where you pretty much say, hit, hit shots from you anywhere. Can't forget, he's on fire was iconic at the time. Absolutely. Along with Boom Shakalaka and <laughs> Is It The Shoes? And ridiculous <laughs> catchphrases. Those were, those were all over the place and, and definitely iconic. Uh, as well as like other like fun like game modes like they'd have like hot spots that you could turn on where your shots would be worth like I don't know like five to eight points they'd have like uh, other power-ups that make your characters faster or able to dunk from further distances things like that just different ways to uh, change up the game that way you'd keep coming back time and time again that was definitely why I kept coming back no it's just it's an awesome game in general and it's just got the Probably the best arcade sports game I've played. Yeah, it's really good. Did you play the uh, 2000, I want to say it was either 11 or 2013, the one that came out on the 
PS3, Xbox 360. I definitely did not play that one. I played that uh, shortly after we graduated college. Me and my buddy Zach, we played the crap out of that. That was really good, too. Is it still just two on two? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's still, it does have a current people like LeBron and company are on there versus like yes, yes, Reggie and Jordan and Penny well, Hardaway and Shaq remember and Jordan those. wasn't in NBA Jam. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he had his own license. That's right. I don't think so. Barkley was either. I think he had yep. that might have been before Barkley shut up and Jam though. But I know it he was Shaquille O'Neal was one that did that. He was in <clears> one of the first games, and then some of the later ones he he followed Jordan's. Yeah, because him and yeah. Penny Hardaway was like a super team in Orlando, I remember, in that game. Oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. But like, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm such a Chicago Bulls fan. I was always playing Pippen and Armstrong. But, I mean, you also had, um, like, Stockton and Malone. That was a killer team. Yeah, there was there was a lot of good Reggie ones. Reggie and I think Rick Smith was on there and Mark Jackson, maybe. Yeah. Um, in tournament edition, you had the choice between three characters or three players. So okay. you can switch it in and out. I don't think the I don't think NBA Jam before the tournament edition had the option. I think so it that was, was Reggie and Smits for the Pacers in that one. Yeah, that very well could be definitely Reggie. But yeah, oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'd be I'd be interested for them to come out with another one uh, on the PS4, or even on the PS5 coming out because I mean the graphics don't have to be any bit, uh, great shakes. They just have to get the gameplay and the and the most recent most recent version they nailed it. We played the crap out of it. We probably put, oh, probably 50 or 60 hours into it over one summer. Man. Yeah. yeah. I'd be interested to just try that one. So it's definitely a game you need to play with somebody. Like some of the the more recent games have a lot more, like the 2Ks have a lot more simulation aspects they can. But I feel like NBA Jam is one that's better. Well, they're all better co-op. It definitely leans more toward the uh, arcade co-op experience. Yeah, I think, what is it, that NBA Playgrounds game? I think it, I, I'm not sure, I don't think it's free to play, but it's got a lot of microtransactions. No, it's a microtransaction mess is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's very similar to, uh, I would suggest a- avoiding that one, because if you don't do those microtransactions, it's pretty grindy to get the players you want and things of that yeah, nature. Yeah, you have to unlock each player in that game, I think. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't pick it up then. Thought about it, I was like, ooh, I wouldn't mind one of those on my Switch, but... Yeah, they'll no start you with like freaking like TJ Ford or Tony Parker or just random people, and then you got to get anybody decent. Well, they could start me with anybody at this point. The way that I follow the NBA, I wouldn't know who the hell they are. So obviously, you know, like LeBron and company. Um, so. Oh, sure, for oh, sure. But I don't want to play as LeBron. No, I don't need that. <laughs> All right. Well, the next game on here that I'm going to be talking about, I feel like we bring it up almost, or at least I bring it up almost every podcast anymore. It's becoming the the new Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. And uh, that's actually going to be Dead Cells. I actually thought that was going to be a little higher on your list. Uh, nope. It's, there's there's just, like, when we were making these lists, I realized that there are so many freaking games that I love that didn't even make the list. So, nope, not well, any higher. Well, that's true. I actually, like, the, all the recent games that I put on this list, I don't know if you ran into the same dilemma. I was always like, oh, yeah, you know, I played these game, this game recently. And I really fell in love with it. But these other games have stood the test of time. And this game is just kind of fresh and exciting. So did Mm -hmm. that kind of make you put it lower on the list a little bit? Oh, yeah. It definitely has with some of the recent games. Because the nostalgia is pretty heavy with some of the stuff. 
you know, everything ahead of this or a lot of them. So that, that was definitely a factor in a few years. I just don't know too, that dead cells is going to be a game that I don't feel like I'm going to be picking it up like in a few years to play it. Like it was, it was super fun, a really good time. But once I uh, beat it a few times, I don't know that I'll actually go back to it super often, which is what kind of put it where it's at on the list. But I still think, it's one of the best Metroidvanias, period, and definitely the best roguelike Metroidvania by a mile. Uh, I'll, I'll agree with that second statement, for sure. As far as Metroid it being a very good Metroidvania game, it definitely has a lot of the DNA. I don't know if I would I could ever call it a, a Metroidvania, but it's definitely the closest they've come to combining the two. Because the gameplay Just... is, is on point. The gameplay is as good, if not better, than than most 2D like, action games I've ever played. That's what I was going to say, just the mechanics. feel. I wish they had those mechanics in like the next, I would say the next Castlevania game. We don't know if that's coming, because I like the, the mechanics better. I'm actually playing through Bloodstained right now, and I prefer the way Dead Cells moves, feels, controls, uh, versus uh, Bloodstained. Definitely quicker and more deliberate. Yeah, I don't know. I still prefer the 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 slightly slower paced uh, Castlevania experience, but I also the Castlevania games. I like how it goes from you feel kind of slow and kind of weak, and then by the end of the game, you're just like ripping through everything, and you're moving around the stages really quickly. There's a certain sense of empowerment there. Uh, Dead Cells, the gameplay itself, is just much more fluid and quick right out of the gate. And it just and con- it just it continues to condense that empowerment feeling. Oh sure, to, but it, it's still much... very it is still very empowering, even though it you know it takes it away from you at the beginning of every run. There there is a a good sense of quick um, you know micro progression there. Oh, I have for a lo- sure, got a lot yeah. of respect for it because I don't I don't love roguelike games in general. When you if you get like to the end of the game and your build you have a really strong build you feel pretty ridiculously powerful like you can shred through things and I think the the amount of customization I think is really cool in that like it's almost the almost the path of exile of Metroidvanias yeah you you could put it that way um, hmm. because you, you say you didn't that. really play it after they added like much after they add all the passive buffs that you can kind of add to things yeah no I, yeah i really haven't i haven't i haven't played it much after just like the very like first re- i played the the beta and then i played it right after release and i finished it at, at, after that but i haven't played like any of the new dlc or whatever else they've added to it since yeah because i'd like try and get to something where there's like a plus 200% if the enemy's poisoned or plus 200% if they're burning or something and just kind of get weapons that that do that or have those effects. And you can get like ridiculously, I would say broken, but the game is just kind of hard in general. But you can get pretty freaking powerful in that game. Yeah, and you need to because it's it's not easy. No, I mean, there's definitely a, a lot of just kind of pattern recognition. It takes a lot of skill. But the good thing is that you can be like you can hit the button literally like a, a millisecond before you're about to get hit and the game will recognize that you'll actually move and get out of the way. Like even with to me, even with Dark Souls, I guess maybe more so in Demon Souls where it felt a little bit kind of slower, or jankier, you know, you do that like accidental like double roll. 
Oh yeah, that was that was Dark Souls for sure. Okay, that, Dark it's still Souls, there, yeah. yeah. And that doesn't that doesn't happen at all in Dead Cells. Everything is uh very smooth and accurate, which I can definitely appreciate with a game with its difficulty. Yeah, it doesn't do that buffer input scenario that can be very obnoxious, especially when you're not deliberate with your button presses. When you're freaking out and mashing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which that definitely happens in Dead Cells. I, I've had a a bunch of situations where that happens. Yeah, so how many levels are in that game at this point? Well, to actually beat the game, you just go through the four main levels, and there's a boss, or I guess it's eight levels because it's it's two levels and a boss and two levels and a boss, but then there's multiple paths through each one. So there's at least 14, because I know there's, you have to go through like the same first level. No, you don't. I don't know. There's at least like 16, 18 different different areas in there for sure. Okay. But I don't know how many are in it, because I haven't played like the, I played on Game Pass on the 360, so they didn't have the, the Rise of the Giants DLC included because they just said it's on Xbox One and no one cares about it, so they didn't even give them the DLC, which is annoying. Because the yeah, no, Switch I, and I, PS4 got the uh, the Game of the Year edition or whatever with everything included. Okay, yeah, I probably need to need to pick that up because when I played through it, I think there was only like like four levels. Like you only went to that first boss, that first big boss with like the big ass sword. Oh, the move super slow, yeah. Yes, I think that was as far as it went when I played it. You definitely need to jump back on, because it's gotten a lot better since then. Yeah, The Butcher, I think, is his name. Um, sure. I don't think <laughs> it's like The Butcher. I don't think it's way. The Butcher. It was more like a knight. I don't know. Because you fought him on, like, a bridge or something. I don't, I don't remember. It's been a while. Yeah. I just remember he was hard, and I don't remember him being that slow. And I also you don't said there was the only butcher. one boss... Uh, yeah, one main boss that I remember. Okay, because, yeah, there's a boss after every two levels. Like, there's the samurai dude, and then this guy's name. I'm curious, and i got to look it up real quick. Okay, never mind, it's being slow, but we'll get to that later. But, yeah, it's it's a super good time now since they actually have a full... Because you just played it in beta, I guess? I played it right after beta, too. Yeah, you should jump back into that, at least give it a go until you run through it at least one time, because... Every time you beat the game, too, you can give it, like, power up all the bosses by giving them, like, the, the boss soul or the, the dead cell or whatever. And then everyone gets harder. So it's kind of your new game plus. Okay. But I mean, after a while, I didn't think it was... It didn't seem like it was worth it to me. No, I can see that. I mean, that's kind of like people playing through new game plus seven in Dark Souls. At some point, yeah, eventually, that, that becomes... Doesn't it's not rewarding anymore, and it's just kind of replaying it. Yeah, I mean, I I always prefer to just restart the game with a different build. Yeah, so. because I feel like when you do that, or a lot of times when people platinum games in general, I feel like that that just takes away a lot of the fun of a game. I know some people are like addicted to that, but to me, that kind of usually sours me on a game instead of making me like it more. And yeah, I can never get several trophies and I beat dead cells and powered them up a couple times after that I was like yeah I'm good yeah oh and I figured out the 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 boss that I the final boss that I fought and that was the hand of the king the dude with the double saber oh okay so that is the actual last boss of the game 
Yeah, okay. Like the regular yeah. last boss without the powered up. So, okay, yeah, yeah, he was not easy. Yeah. I, I was looking at some of the other bosses, and I was like, oh, I, I totally forgot fighting these things. Like, the giant eyeball thing, I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay, I thought, because you said, like, one boss, so I was like, this is, that's it? Like I said, that's all I could remember. The bosses were fun, though. Like, I remember that eye dude being interesting, too, so... Uh, that may have yeah, just they been were, they were it's definitely been, fun it's been like two and a half years since i played the game so yeah the hand of the king can if he knocks you in like spikes and he can wipe you out real quick but yeah dead cells is a, a good game but like i said i don't think that i don't know that 10 years from now i'm gonna want to to go back and and play a lot more dead cells so I don't know, I guess we'll see in the future. Yeah, I was going to say, you may just be burnt out on it at the moment, because there is a certain level of just, like, repetitiveness to it where somebody would get burnt out. That, I mean, that's just roguelikes in general. And it's um, one of the most recent games I've played on this list, too. I, that definitely has something to do with it. That true. That, that true. That, <laughs> that true. true. Yeah. True that. Well, plus it's a pretty inexpensive game, too. What is it, like 25 bucks for the Game of the Year edition? Yeah, I mean, you can catch it. You can catch it on sale, I think, on the, the PlayStation the Store. Yes, exactly. All the time. And it, it it's worth it. It's it's worth the twenty five dollar price tag, but you can probably find it for fifteen pretty easy. Yeah, I'd I'd wait for a sale just because they're so common, but yeah, it's definitely worth the full twenty five. Or if you want to get physical, twenty five is the way to go. Yeah. And I it definitely gets my highest uh recommendation if somebody's looking for a new roguelike game. But if they've been looking for one, they've probably played it by now. That's good a good point. Yeah, because it's not like it's underappreciated or anything. No, Game it's got no, a lot of love. And depending upon who you talk to, either either Chuck or Buck, you may think that this game has has gotten maybe too much love. This is, I know that this is one game that, uh, Buck, I know that you're not a huge fan of the series. I know that you know I am. Uh, <laughs> back in the, the, the PS2 days, one of the, the best action game franchises on there and that I got to put God of War 2 on here. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm so much not a fan that I haven't even played the 2018 God of War yet that everyone raves about. Oh, that's okay. I haven't even played that one. I, I haven't played Dad of War. Really? Yet. I haven't you gone haven't that played far. That? Well, I'm playing, I'm playing Dad of War in my own life right now. So, no, well, I, that's I, a good point. Well, I actually can't say I haven't played it. I have played it. My, my brother bought it, and he was stuck at a certain point point in the game and i was over at his house he's like uh you want to come see the game and, and help me out with this and we did that and we got him through it uh, so i have played it a little bit it is a good game and absolutely gorgeous too the graphics are insanity as, as far as my favorite god of war game it's got to be god of war 2 um all of them are pretty good the trilogy is fantastic and even the the two psp games uh and even god of war ascension isn't too bad of a game even though that's where it started to Fall from Grace for sure. God of War 2 just took everything that the first game established. Just one of the 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 best action games on the console outside of like Devil May Cry. That was probably its biggest competitor at the time. But it took a different approach to it. Uh, and it didn't try to be just like this really um, complex, more of a fighting game kind of combat. It tried to simplify it a little bit more so it could get a bigger audience. But the, the combat itself is still very impressive. It, it can get complex, but not anywhere near, you know, like a platinum game at this point. So if you... Yes, it's sure. more It's way it's, more of a button masher than that. Yeah, it feels like that it's almost kind of where platinum... Like the first version of almost like a platinum game, you'd call that or Devil May Cry. Yeah. 
But uh, every, that made every any sense whatsoever. I don't think so. That would be awesome. Okay. I don't know if, know if that made any sense, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> uh, sweep it under the rug. So everything that the first game established, this this epic story about Kratos, you know, kind of screwed over by Ares in the first game. You know, he got tricked into killing his family <laughs> and he wanted to take revenge. And through the through the plot of the first game, he he worked his way to becoming a god and then killing Ares, getting his revenge. And then he as a god, he, you know, he kind of lorded over everything for like ah, 10 plus years and that's where the second game picks up and you know kratos is still kind of you know dealing with you know the sorrow that he still has because he couldn't you know save his family um and couldn't forgive himself for what he he did but uh the story of the second game is just basically a setup for the rest of the series where kratos just gets dicked over by the gods just like literally all of them and they they just make him fall from grace. He he becomes mortal, and it is his it is his war to get revenge on like the entirety of Mount Olympus. And this is where that journey begins, and where it ultimately kind of ends in God of War three. But God of War two just kind of took the ante with with the combat, the scope of the adventure, just kind of the grand epic set pieces took the the very small quantity of boss battles that the first game had, which was a, a big bummer. There was only like two or three bosses in the first game. Uh, two has like, I don't know, 12 or so boss battles, which were a lot of fun. It just kind of upped the ante of the, the, the combat itself. And, and the combat's fun because obviously it is a little bit little bit of a button masher. It's, it's not that difficult, but different monsters obviously have different ways that you go ahead and trying to feed them they have different strategies but god of war is one game where i felt like they got the got qtes correct that's one of the first games i even remember that used a lot of qtes yeah i think maybe for the the defilement of video games god of war kind of brought that into the mainstream and then everybody else was like oh this is a good idea it got a war took it and used it in the combat where like if you tried to like stun enemies and you'd if you got them to like a certain threshold then you could do you know, kind of, uh, it's like a finisher type thing or like a, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like you'd like rip them in half. You'd take their weapon away from them and just somehow like mutilate them. Um, it's some fun, gory way. And you, and if you did that, you'd get, uh, you'd get benefits like extra currency and things of that nature. Um, but there was also a lot of QTEs and like the boss battles and, you know, trying to go through the environments that allowed for more epic scenarios than, you know, your average gameplay would allow. And it, it didn't do it all the time, but it, it didn't, like, interrupt the gameplay so much that it felt really annoying, because there are games that do that. And Kingdom Hearts 2. It, yeah, all the Kingdom Hearts games. Yeah, 3 is... Have you... Have you I forgot, I have you played, played 3? Yet. I haven't played it's, 3. I haven't played... It's bad when it comes to QTE, like, interruptions and stuff. Like, it's real bad. Yeah, that's kind of disappointing because the combat's so fun in that game. It yeah, looks it looks so fun. Let me put it that way. It looks it everything looks really cool, but it's not that satisfying because of the the way they implemented the mechanics. Unfortunately, well, that's fair. So so maybe they they got maybe they got a little too inspired by God of War. Who knows? But they probably it could got be. That's my assumption. They, they're <laughs> like this story's so epic 
that uh, we need to also spoil the gameplay. Uh, but I mean, w- when I got, I bought God of War the first game when it came out. I got, I was on that bandwagon, and that game blew me uh, away for sure. I remember I brought it over to your house, and you were just like, "Eh, looks okay." <laughs> yeah, you couldn't stop talking about it. You brought it over, and I was like, "Okay, cool." Yeah, that doesn't look like it does much for me, but hey, yeah, that's cool. Well, obviously, it did a lot for a lot of people. I mean, you can't talk about the PS2 without talking about the God of War series and what that did for for Sony in general. But when I picked up the second game, uh, I had really high expectations for it. And, you know, typically when you have high expectations going into a sweet sequel, you're, they're almost never met. But God of War 2 just blew it out of the water. And it, I think still to this day it's my favorite in the franchise, even though God of War 3 is a, is a close second. Yeah, having expectations that high is usually a good way to get disappointed. But, yeah, God of War 2. I mean, that lived up to everything for you, so that's always cool when that happens, and pretty rare. And Buck's like, God, I want to talk about my next game so bad. It's like, let's go, let's move on. <laughs> no. go, go for it, man. Well, the next one, you'll be able to put a lot of input on this one on, too. It's probably going to be higher up on your list, if I had to guess. And that's going to be another awesome PS1 JRPG. And probably your favorite Final Fantasy, so you may as well go ahead and give it a give it a guess. <clears throat> uh, obviously, Squall and, and team Final Fantasy yes. Eight. Squall and Co for sure. Final Boy. Fantasy Eight. Boy, what a and glorious! By game. the way, how is the uh, how is the remaster coming uh, it's along? A, it's a little prettier. Um, I, I appreciate all the updates that came out with it, I, uh, except for maybe like. Did you think it was weird, like the the slight redesign on Squall, like they made his hair look different and things like that? Did you notice? I didn't really. I mean, a little bit because the the portraits in the original are just so awesome terrible. looking, but terrible. terrible. Yeah. Pixelated PS One <laughs> polygon garbage. Yes, in a cool way, but yes. Well, it, it's so weird. It's such a it's such a terrible. Well, it's a it's not terrible. The contrast between the the character models and the beautiful pre rendered backgrounds. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was kind of off putting for sure. The see, a lot of times in the in eight like the original version of PlayStation, the character models were so far like zoomed out that it didn't really seem. Like, they looked bad, but, I mean, you're on SDTV and zoomed out, so they don't look that bad. I mean, they look great at the time, but then you you get HD on that, and whew. Yeah, playing it on a, anywhere between a 32-inch or, or bigger TV these days, it, it, it's kind of rough. Kind of yes. rough, but let's not camp on the graphics alone. Although the, the HD remaster does look much better, the... The summon animations are something to behold, which is one of my favorite parts. Uh, it's definitely worth picking up. If I think it's only about twenty bucks. If you find it on sale, go ahead and pick it up on the Switch. I think that's a a worthy buy. Oh, hundred percent. It's definitely a worthy buy on the Switch. In the game in general, I wish it wouldn't get so much hate just because it's different. Yeah, that seems to be it, the only reason it gets hate. It is. I mean, literally, I don't know. That's pretty much why it's just because it's not like that same old final fantasy even though like the battle system itself is still active time battle but i mean the draw system granted it's broken it's really and broken 
and annoying for the most part. Like it is repetitive and it's it is busy work. For sure. But but it's still a fantastic game. Well, absolutely. I mean, it has all the hallmark Final Fantasy things that you want in the your emo RPG. main character, boom, covered. <laughs> yes. No, but the story in general is actually one of my favorite stories when it like a really cool thing in that game is the the two separate timelines. So it's one period of the game is the current day where you're Squall and Company, and then the other period, I don't want to spoil the timeline or anything, but you're Laguna and his group, which I think is the way more interesting timeline that people seem to gloss over because they think Squall's like a a bland or a lame kind of emo character, and Laguna's actually a really good protagonist. Oh yeah, he's really interesting. He's got more character than anybody else in the game. And oh. he's very sympathetic. Like, he seems much more human than anyone else. Yeah, and then that's how I like my characters written. I don't like, just like, emo brooding kids in general. I'd rather have a more sympathetic, likable character like Laguna. And I think people forget it's almost like half of his game, too. So it ends up being a really well-told game. Yeah, um, that, that, that story uh, combination... Uh, when I was younger, it was kind of confusing to me. Like, I didn't quite understand why they were trying to tell these two different stories and, like, how they, they, you know, kind of intermingled going through the, going through the game. Uh, and you, and you don't really find out until later on how it all kind of comes together. And yeah, at that point, it is very really interesting. <laughs> yeah. At that point, it is very interesting. <laughs> if, cause the game is pretty long. It's like a 40 to 60 hour game. If you need a, yeah, some type of story you, payoff you, before that, it might it might be kind of frustrating. But I find that a lot of just like the character interactions, the locations, and obviously the combat in general, I I find it you know very rewarding and easy to easy to get behind the experience overall. I mean, it is it is Final Fantasy through and through, even though it did try a lot of new things. And like the story and things, yeah, like you said, the battle system and everything is pretty much just straight Final Fantasy. Once you, because the draw system just helps power you up and get to the battles. The battles themselves are, you know, active time battle goodness. And the story is way better than something like 13, where all the characters are just terrible. Yeah. Well, in 13, like, there was, I don't know. I don't even want to talk about 13. There's so much wrong with that game. <laughs> Uh, the battle I, I, system was solid, but everything no, the, else the, was bad. It was fine, but did you actually finish it? It got so I, repetitive. I did finish thirteen. Ugh. You could almost auto battle by the end of it, just because. Yeah, I thought it was really cool at the beginning, and then just got tired of it, kind of. No, I thought the first like ten, fifteen hours was pretty cool, and then towards the end, when you when it becomes a little bit more open world, that that open area is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, that was, I mean, that was what, like, the last chapter, the second to last chapter of the game? Yeah, it was way too late in the game to just be like, oh, you want to explore things that aren't corridors? Here you go. <laughs> Nobody really. who wasn't invested in the game made it that far, so. Yeah. But going back to 8, it's one of the, I mean, we'll both agree that it's much better than 9. Yes. And I know the world will agree with us, but yeah. <laughs> it's a very hot take. But yeah, yeah, one of my favorite Final Fantasies and one of the best games from the golden era of the, the JRPG. 
there, there's a lot of systems in that game that I, that I find very interesting. And, and yes, Buck, spoilers, this will be higher up on my list for sure. And we'll, I thought we'll, so. we'll, we'll talk I about it so. further then. Yeah, this was, this was like the second PS1 game that ended up popping into my PlayStation. This is one of the games that really sold me on the, uh, the 32-bit era. I was like, ooh, oh, this is something. This is something new. This is something special. Yeah, because when I when I booted it up, the first game I played was Wild Arms, which fantastic game. That's going to be way up the list. Yeah. But that game in itself, if you weren't looking at the really, really terrible battle graphics, you would think, hey, this could be a 16-bit game for sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But following that up with Final Fantasy VIII, you know, getting out into the open world and then just doing like the first, you know, like Guardian Force summon and just seeing that animation, and you're just like, Bleh! that made my mind explode. I was just like, this is this next gen, even though at that point it really wasn't when I played it. I was like, this is awesome. But it was to you. <laughs> it was to me. That was the, that was the next step. And I was like that at that point, even though I was already pretty sold on JRPGs. Boom, that really cemented it. So that that's another reason why Final Fantasy VIII is very important to me. So we'll be talking about more about that later. But yeah, if anyone doesn't have it, fantastic game. You should definitely pick it up. Heck yeah. And let's stay on the JRPG train. Because nice. why not? And we're going to take it back a generation again. Oh. Yeah, going back to the good old Sega Genesis. Not known for its JRPGs, but it had a Sega few good Genesis. ones. Sega Genesis, and this may be the swan song of all JRPGs on it, and that's going to be Fantasy Star for the end of the millennium. Oh, okay. I, and I don't haven't know, played that one. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you. I, I wasn't sure if you had. I know you'd played I, the second well, one. I've but. technically played it, but I haven't given it time enough time. You know, I booted it up, but I haven't really played it. Played it. <laughs> well, knowing you and knowing how you. <clears throat> Like RPGs, you don't love grind fests, and that's what Fantasy Star Two was. So I'm sure that kind of got you a little, uh, yeah, a little bit of friction there with the series. And I, I understand that. I, I personally really liked Fantasy Star Two. There were quite a few things that uh, I thought were bad design decisions that made the game very, very difficult to play. But Fantasy Star played uh, played Fantasy Star two like way after I got I first played it when I got on the Dreamcast collection after I played like all the the PS one Final Fantasies and sixteen bit Mario RPG Chrono Trigger like all that goodness I'd already played. Yeah, well, and you'd been hearing that it's it's one of the classics, and you're like, oh, this has got to be great. But after playing the, those, yeah, it's kind of kind of rough. Yeah, a little bit. But <laughs> but one thing you got to say about the Fantasy Star series is. You know, it's it's definitely got its very own personality, its own, you know, it's got that science fiction vibe that a lot of RPGs don't. I think it's kind of underutilized. I'd say probably only at this point you've got, you know, Star Ocean, you've got the Xenoblade series. They're the only ones even that really... they have, like, the, uh, the almost, like, steampunk sci-fi. They don't go all in like Fancy Star did. Like they got the Fancy Star is like the 80s sci-fi, like 80s anime sci-fi going hardcore. Yeah, and for me, like I don't love science fiction media that much, but Fantasy Star for whatever reason definitely spoke to me. And Fantasy Star 4, it was the uh it was the last of the just the plain JRPGs in the series. After this, we never got another one, which was 
very, very disappointing. And this game took everything that the series had established up to that point and just kind of fine-tuned it and and made just kind of just like this really nice package uh, of an RPG that is very digestible. One suggestion for you is this is actually a pretty short RPG. I'm talking 15, 20 hours is like the sweet Ooh. spot. Yeah. I'm telling you, this game is a quick clip, and it's pretty much engaging the whole time. And I'll, I'll talk about all the reasons why I think you should play it right now. Um, so there's a, lot, there's a lot of cool systems that it brings in that... Uh, kind of separate it from a lot of other RPGs of that day. One of them is not like a new system, but it's just how fast the combat is. Going from like a random battle to finishing it and, and continuing on exploration, the battles are are very, very fast. You're probably not in battle for more than, I don't know, 20 to 30 seconds at a time. Oh, wow. So like the animations are really quick, depending upon, you know, how you have your team set up, you can get through those very quickly. One of the things that it does to rectify one of the biggest issues with Japanese RPGs is just kind of like the monotony of having to like pick attacks and pick magic or just like mashing the X button to get out of text to get through random battles very quickly. It had a very unique uh, system that I haven't seen any other RPG to this day use, and it's called a, it's a macro system, kind of like you use in your MMOs, where you can set up different presets of attacks for your party. And you can pick a macro and it tells your whole party to do this, these sets of attacks. So you can just have one for just attacking, one for a couple people to attack, a couple people buff. And you can just start the battles by picking that instead of going through each one of your characters and selecting what they need to do. That's actually really cool. And yeah. you think like you think current day RPGs would utilize something like that besides MMOs, but yeah, that's a that's a good system. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, it allows for you know, it takes away a lot of the monotony, and that's that, that's very important. Another thing uh, that obviously you'll like that we like in all of our games is the Fantasy Star games. They have usually have techniques, which are just like strangely named magic and things like that. And they also have abilities. But uh, much like Chrono Trigger and a lot of other RPGs that we like, there's combo moves. Oh, that is cool. Yep. And that's something that I really wish more RPGs would take advantage of because it's so underutilized. Like tag and combo attacks are really freaking cool in my book. And, and there's like no reason why somebody would not want that in an RPG. It adds so much personality to like the party to dynamics. Characters, yeah. To combat, to everything. Yeah. It's a lot of cool extra strategy. They're all really nice touches. They can design attacks like that based on the relationship of the characters. That stuff's huge. And I can only think of like a handful of series that ever actually did that and actually did it. Well, I'd say they all pretty much did it well, but carried it on past more than one game. So that's another thing. So I know this is quickly starting to check all your boxes here. Uh, Another thing is... Uh, compared to any of the other Fantasy Star games and most JRPGs of that vintage, while there is a little bit of grinding... It very little of it's necessary. Um, I guess that makes sense on the short length too. Otherwise, they'd like make it like Final Fantasy IV. The game should take twenty hours, but it takes fifty because you have to grind for thirty hours. Yeah, I think a big reason for uh, the short length has to do with just like the the big graphical leap, as well as probably the restrictions on the the cartridge. I think it actually had a bigger cartridge than maybe any other Genesis game, as far as memory goes. Oh, okay. um, but. Uh, I think a lot of that also had to do with the way that the game tells its story. 
which obviously there's going to be, you know, like written dialogue when you're talking to townspeople and stuff. But the story is told through kind of like a, a manga, like panel, kind of like cinematic mode where different panels will pop up. There might be a little bit of animation in them and, and they'll pop up and kind of tell the story that way when there's major events in the plot occurring. And it makes it you know, much more engaging. I mean, it's all full color kind of, I actually call it, consider it more like a, um, a visual novel is, would be the best way to describe the way and it tells the story. That's cinematic as you get back on Genesis. And I can't think of any other game that's done that. At least back then. Obviously, there's visual novels for days now, but... Yeah. But, uh... Oh, rings about. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, other than that, I mean, you know, you're, you got your, your cool cast of characters. Your main character's name is Chaz, so you know he's cool. <laughs> this blonde-haired twerp, he's a, he's, a, he's a mercenary in training, and he goes under the wing of his mentor, Alice, who is this, like, legendary uh, mercenary in the world. Everybody knows her. And you just go around, you know, just doing your basic JRPG fair, going around to different towns, doing odd jobs, getting rolled into this epic quest where you got to you know, fight the, the dark forces and do that kind of stuff. You're... You're tra- traveling through space and uh, all around the different world maps. You actually get to drive vehicles and things, too, which is not unique in RPGs. But when you're in vehicles, you actually fight in the vehicle when you get in random oh. battles. So you, like, shoot the guns and stuff like that. So that's interesting, too. Between all that and just, like, how just kind of quick the game is and just there, there's not a lot of downtime. And that's that's something that I'll always appreciate in an RPG so I mean, definitely my highest whole RPGs, praise. Like, like pedal to the floor, it sounds like, instead just a lot of downtime. Yeah, it's a very cool game. Uh, highest praise is there. Definitely one of my favorite old school RPGs. And it's while it's it's great that the uh, the Fantasy Star traditional RPG series ended on such a high note. It's at, at the same time, it's very disappointing, even though I do love where the Fantasy Star uh, franchise went with the the online games. Look so looking forward to Fancy Star Online 2 coming west. Oh my That's god. It's gonna be awesome. Yes. Is that is that March or February? It's getting close. I'm just assuming everything not, comes out in March. I so gotta hope it's not March. March. Yeah. February would be better. <laughs> Alright, Buck. So what now? I feel like all my games, I'm the only one talking about them, so that's good. Well, I mean, I haven't really played the last two, so that's one reason. <laughs> And uh, this game is another game we played a decent amount co-op, so we could both talk about it. Uh, me more so than you, but it's still a uh, really good game. Had a good time with it, and that is the best shmup on the PS1, good old G-Darius. G-Darius, yeah, that's a good one for sure. R- right up there with Darius Gaiden. They're, yeah, they pretty much go hand in hand. I mean, you own Darius Gaiden, I own this one, so I have you know more fondness for G-Darius, but Man, what a what a sweet game. I don't know how many times I've gone through uh, the game itself. It's one of the games, well, let's just sum up. So, I mean, you can literally play through it in, I don't know, like an hour, hour and a half, get a full playthrough. So I've probably played through it, I don't know, 50 times. And it never gets old. There's multiple branching paths. And one of the coolest things is the capture mechanic. So if you hit the X button... You throw out this little ball, we'll just call it like a Pokeball, and you can capture enemies. 
and you can literally capture anybody. Like you can capture a boss you beat and have them with you like the whole next level and they're freaking destroying things and using up all their ammo and firing along with you or you can capture just a, a little, you know, enemy you can kill with one shot like a regular old enemy and you can always hit the X button again and they'll self-destruct them too which acts as your like screen clearing bomb like there is in, you know, every shmup ever. For people who haven't played the game, it may not sound like there's a lot of strategy there. They'd be like, oh, well, you definitely want to get the final boss. But having that and having that firepower, you definitely do sacrifice, especially on the higher difficulties, that extra layer of strategy that comes with having those bombs in yeah, scenarios where you need it. Yeah. Because anyone who's played a, a difficult shmup knows that there's going to be bullets absolutely everywhere at some point. And I mean, if you don't self destruct, uh, basically that boss that you caught or that enemy, I mean, you're probably going to die anyway, and then they go away, so what's the point? Yeah. Two seconds of breathing room doesn't sound like much, but it means everything. It's an eternity in those games. And yeah. They don't even make uh, too many shmups anymore, unfortunately. I'm kind of surprised that they haven't, or maybe they have migrated to more of like a, a mobile genre. It seems like they would be... There's Yeah, definitely a lot on mobile. There's a lot of like free-to-play ones where they're almost like RPGs, which uh, they're they're kind of fun, but not necessarily to be taken seriously. But there are quite a few of them coming out on, on Steam. Okay. <coughs> and definitely a lot of them cause... that are getting um, released that were Japan only. A lot of those like cave shooters, which are a different breed for sure. But still a good time. Yes. But yeah, I know we played through it a decent amount. I think I might have played it more often with Dell. I want to say, but we you, still played. You did. Okay. Yeah, I played. I I've played through it like uh, maybe two or three times with you. Okay, I was gonna say maybe a handful of times, but yeah, yeah I think we definitely times. played uh, Dairy Skating more. Could be, but they're both uh, fantastic games, and that's probably my favorite shmup. I'd say is probably G Darius. I don't know that. I guess spoiler alert. I don't know. If there's any more. On this list, now that I'm thinking about it, that's kind of surprising. Because I, I know you like them a lot. I do. Well, I do too. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. Like you're the only one who likes them. Because <laughs> you already had uh, Radiant. Do you have Ikaruga or Radiant Silver Gun on? I had Radiant, Radiant Silver, Silver Gun. Gun. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't like so. Ikaruga as much. It's not as good. Those so those either. those extra RPG elements and all the extra options and not being able to get past the second level. There's just something beautiful there. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. there is. But no, G. Darius is a PS1 classic, and I'm sure that it probably cost an arm and a leg these days, since PS1 games are getting ridiculously expensive too. But I haven't haven't checked the market on it for a while. But if it's not super expensive, I don't think it's on the PlayStation Store or anything. But I definitely suggest uh, at least checking it out. I'd say buy it if you like shmups, or at least just give it a a playthrough, even if you're not a big fan, because there's a lot to love. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's one that you definitely, yeah, that's really like the only way you can play it, which is unfortunate. Uh, I mean, all of the Darius games are, are very high quality, and if you want to get into this series, I believe when we talked about Darius Gaiden, we brought up uh, Darius, uh, was it Darius Burst Chronicle Saviors, which is the one that came out on the PS3 and PS4, which 
book I don't believe you knew about until I brought it up. I didn't. So that was a that was a sweet one. I went and actually looked it up after that. I remember on the PlayStation Store, it's like fifty bucks, and I was like, nope. Yeah, too much. Was, that was that was a full price release. There's a lot of gameplay to be had in that, uh, much more than uh, your standard shmup. So it's definitely worth the price tag if you're into those kind of games. But it does go on sale quite a bit. So if you're if you're interested in it, which I suggest you you should be because they're they're all very high quality. Uh, that's another good way that's more accessible to find. Yeah, that's definitely one to check out. And I wish, though, I have a hard time spending 50 bucks or that much on a digital-only game for whatever reason. Right, I understand. It does have a physical release, but that's going to be that's gonna run you a lot more because it's pretty Probably uncommon. like limited-run games physical release, though, so. <clears throat> I think that's true. Yeah. Not going to happen then. <laughs> But yeah, G. Darius, definitely uh, give that one a go. Check it out. Super high quality game. Agreed. All right. I'm going to move on to my second to last game then. This one's going to surprise you a lot, I think. It definitely surprised me. And this is this is one that I had to think long and hard about including on the list. Seems like uh, maybe a little early to pull the trigger, but I've, I've had so much fun playing it, and that is... That's going to be the new Pokemon game. Sword and Shield. Wow. Yeah. Sword and Shield coming in. Yes. Coming in hot right here. Um, <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I, I've been having an absolute blast with this title. Uh, I I wasn't really very hyped for it because I've fallen off of the bandwagon for Pokemon really hard over the last 15 plus years, I guess. I haven't I so. really liked a game since uh, Gold and Silver, and the last one I finished was X and Y, and even that wasn't... After I finished the game, I was done with it. I that was it a struggle I... bus for you to finish, if I remember right. Yeah, uh, I, I believe that's true. I don't. I honestly don't remember a ton about that game, except for the fact that I was excited that all the Pokemon were in 3D, and I think that's what got me through it, because I wanted to uh, see more of them. But Sword and Shield has really recaptured something in me. And it's not just, you know, the, the new additions that they've made. Uh, it's not just like the wild area, which is super cool. That that has been a long time coming. We needed that. <laughs> um, that that's a, a very special edition. But I like the tournament aspect of kind of like you, you obviously you, you go and get your eight badges from your your gym leaders as you as you do in every Pokemon game but the way that they all kind of interact within the world they don't just kind of like sit in their their gym and just wait for people to walk in to get pwned. A sports-esque approach which is actually pretty cool yeah there the the story well I'm not gonna say it's engaging or anything it's it's not bad. I like the characters. I don't know how much I like the story. The characters are interesting. I think the gym leaders are cool. I think a lot. Like I even think your rival, outside of maybe like the first half of the game, he's pretty interesting. Uh, all the characters are pretty cool. Uh, the general plot is is fine. Uh, the one thing I I really didn't like was that, especially at the beginning, how much they hold your hand, and tell you where to go, and what to do. Yeah, that is obnoxious. It's literally like every 20, 30 seconds when you're in a town, they're just like, come here, go there. And that's why I really didn't like Sun and Moon. They did that a lot in those games, and I hated it. Uh, Sun but for and some... Moon 
uh, kind of turned me off because it was almost, I felt like it was almost too story focused or obviously holding your hand too. But yeah, it just seemed like it took absolutely forever to get off the ground. Yeah, it, it didn't give you a, it didn't give you enough like free reign to do what Pokemon is. Combat, exploration, capturing Pokemon, training your team, stuff like that. Uh, and I think uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield, even with, you know, just the upgrade of the graphics, I mean, that's that, that's really one of the biggest draws. Even with that, I think it everything else has just been kind of fine-tuned uh, in a way that definitely inspired me to yeah, come back to it. And I've been I've been playing it pretty much. I don't I don't want to say nonstop. I've definitely been putting a couple hours into it uh, every day uh, that I can. And I'm almost at the end of it. And uh, I've been having an absolute blast with it. And I don't see myself stopping at this point. Like I'm looking forward to like the post game, which ne- I've never done that in any of the games. The this most is post the first the- time I can remember the year on pace like in a it, not that i can remember but in a very long time you're on pace to be like finishing a pokemon game before me like you're ahead of me in the game which never happens that's that's true yeah uh, i was you were ahead of me for like the first two or three days and i know the game's been out here for a while there's no reason why either one of us shouldn't have have, have finished true. it but it's just <laughs> time constraints that's that's what that's what happens i'm gonna give kind of a just a hot take on this one is I think the reason you're enjoying it so much is because you have laid off the series for so long. I'm almost having like the opposite effect you are is I feel like that I'm played all of them quite a bit. I'm just feeling kind of burnt out. So that's pretty interesting. I did not expect this one on here. I'm glad it is and I'm glad you're enjoying it, but I'm almost having like it's definitely a good game, but I'm almost having the opposite effect of it's hasn't captured me like I hoped it would. Yeah, I think that's definitely a big part of it for me. Uh, the, the the time away has definitely made it so. You know, there's a lot more, a lot more wonder there. You know, I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time with all of the new Pokemon, um, so I haven't got to see all of those those evolutions of the series, if you will. I, I've I th- kind of uh, driven the last several generations, with the exception of Sun and Moon. I've played them so much, kind of driven them into the ground. So I think that's kind of been been an issue for me that i'm trying to to get that magic back with this one and it's just having a hard time yeah you know another thing uh i really like the new pokemon they brought out this time they're pretty unique they're pretty cool cool. yeah and the starters are man i don't want to say all of them the water starter is pretty lame but (laughs) the other two are pretty cool i agree yeah so i think there's a lot to like and i think if, if anybody is you know if anybody's still on the fence, it doesn't sound like it. This game sold like hotcakes. Everyone uh, complained and then everyone bought it. It's <laughs> just right. hilarious to me. Yeah. Well, I, you know, who I, I got kind of caught up in the the excitement. Hey, you know, first console Pokemon game, first home console Pokemon game. That's pretty exciting. And playing it on the Switch, uh, I probably I don't think I've played any other game on my Switch where I've really taken advantage of, you know, portable and TV mode. This is one that I definitely try to play on my TV as much as I can. It's a good looking game. And I mean, it doesn't push it to graphical limits, but there's so much style in there that it's it's basically the game we wanted back in, you know, 98. when We thought about this 3D Pokemon happening. It yep. took it, you know, a good 20, 20, 21 years, but it's finally here. Yeah. And I feel like a kid again. 
I appreciate it, Nintendo. <laughs> or Game Freaks. Who do I thank for this? I'm going to thank both of them. Hey, you did you pretty go. good. All so right, Buck. What's your last one? Last one? It's, it's kind of lame that you've already had it on your list, so we've talked about it already. But well, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Agreed. It's going to happen a lot. Pray more coming up, too, for both of us. But the, the last one on the list today, I believe it's number, uh, yeah, number 71, then, will be uh, Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. Nice. I actually didn't think you liked this game that much. I didn't actually think it was going to be on your list. Uh, you were wrong. I was wrong. Pleasant, put, pleasantly uh, surprised, though. I, I don't know how many hours. I probably put close to 100 hours into that game. Oh, so you played even more than I did. Wow. Yeah, I know you... Did you stop after you kind of grinded for the, the specials you wanted? Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't know about you. I put like 100 hours into the first one. See, I put like five hours in the first one. Okay, so that's probably what, what happened. Like, I really like the second one a lot, too, but that's a lot of rehashing yeah, between the so two of them. Absolutely. See, the first one I got, you had your PS4 before me, and I got mine on PS3, and it, it didn't run very well. Yeah, that would yeah that would be a bummer. You, you, so, you got to have a fighting game running well, otherwise, what's the point? Well, because remember, like it had to be basically when it came out, it had to be connected online all the time. And when the PS3 was connected online, like you could, it would take five minutes to move your character because of the lobbies and stuff there. And at that point in time, <laughs> like right when it came out, it auto connected you. So I just got frustrated and basically stopped playing the game because it was just a. Not necessarily a buggy mess, but just a slow, piddly garbage mess. It was unplayable. Like, yeah, exactly. Essentially, it was unplayable. I think they eventually patched that, but by that point, I was over it, so I never did play it. Yeah, more than it, just a handful of hours. Yeah, and Xenoverse Two, you don't have any of those issues. No, Xenoverse Two runs great, and you can actually pick two if you want to go um, online, do the online lobbies or offline too. Which, I mean, even now, like with the PS4 and stuff, you can go online and watch everybody flying around. It's not an issue. So that's usually what I pick. But, yeah, I mean, we just talked about the Pokemon game we always wanted. This is basically the Dragon Ball game from that same era from 20 years ago when we were kids growing up that I always wanted. Yeah, well, well, it's definitely the evolution of the game we wanted because how close was how close was the original Tenkaichi to that? It was pretty close. Oh, it was real close, but this one took it to the next level because I could finally create my own character. Yeah, that was huge. That was like the next step we needed. That was like, because they'd been rehashing the series so much up to that point. Letting you do that was huge. Well, it's the same reason I'm not very hyped for like DBZ Kakarot because we're literally minus the the new you know side stories and apparently a female Jace. Basically, they were rehashing the same stuff again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the game looks it's getting more interesting the more that they're they're showing off but uh, they need to wow me. Yeah, I'm not probably not going to pick that one up. No, but that's probably going to be a bargain bin pickup. Oh, for but, sure. Uh, going, going back to Xenoverse. I mean, literally just you make your own character you pick like from a human Saiyan, uh Frieza Boo character and a Mechian. Yep. Yeah. And you can basically any attack from the game period, any special you can add on your character and then you determine the stats too, as far as if you want to be like melee focused or, you know, key blast focused or whatever you want to do. It's basically just the, the dream come true for us, you know, hardcore DBZ fans. 
our fan fictions we put together, our characters we always want to create, you can pretty much do it. Yeah, it's a it's a fun DBZ sandbox. It, it's how I would describe it. Um, the only thing that it's missing is you know maybe a little bit of that. Maybe if you wanted some type of exploration in your game, then maybe yeah, the DBZ Kakarot game speaks to you a little bit more. But this game just kind of it, it gives you a small hub world, and then it gives you all of the options online or offline to do missions or, you know, fight other players uh, within that hub world. And it just gets you from, you know, battle to battle relatively quickly. So it kind of does everything that uh, most players would want and kind of streamlines the process while also giving you that basically unlimited customization. Did you ever play any of the the raid battles, like the the six-on-one battles, like where you fight one of the giant um, giant apes? Um, I want to say I did, but I may just be thinking about a story mission, so I'm not sure. Was that any fun? That was a lot of fun doing that stuff, because I didn't really think, I mean, the game isn't, isn't balanced at all. So if you create a character and you go online, I mean, people can, there's a, a, about a handful of moves that are completely overpowered and I didn't care enough to teach, you know, my dude a certain Gogeta move or something that's just ridiculously OP. I'd rather use the, the Crusher Barrage or Jace's Crusher Ball Barrage or the Neo Tri-Beam or something instead. And then you're massively, you know, just, just outmanned, basically. Like, you are Jace trying to fight Gogeta or something. It's, it's not going to go well. No, it's not. But most of the content in the game, outside of the the competitive and casual online versus battles. They let you pretty much do whatever you want. You can get away with it. Um, I'd say there's probably ways that you could create your character where they suck if they were like well-rounded or something. But if you, if you want to be like a, a solid key blast user or uh, have like really uh, flashy, like melee animations like they have in the show, uh, yeah, you can pretty much do it. If you, if you've seen a, a move in the show and any of the, you know, even up through Super at this point, they've released DLCs of uh, the characters and their moves and their, uh, you know, their outfits and things. If you can think about a character that you like, there's a good chance that you can uh, take something from them and add them to your own personal creation. Yeah, if a move has happened in any of the shows, period, there's a good shot that you can put it on your character. I'd say there's even some they even just, like, came up with. Yeah, because like, uh, I, well, I know there's no such thing as like a crusher barrage or whatever, like a super for Jace's crusher ball. Well, I also unique. I also don't think there was like finishers for Raditz, like the like the with like like the double Tuesday or whatever the hell yeah. it is. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> double Sunday. Yeah. Ran, name random days of the week and just get yeah. moves. Yeah. No, I don't think he had any of that. No, but it was it was fucking cool, regardless. Yeah. I, yes. I was, exactly. I don't oh, know, it's yeah. kind of the ultimate just Dragon Ball game of, like, everything I wanted. It's nice because the, uh, like, Dragon Ball Fighters is the, the good competitive Dragon Ball game, and then Xenoverse is the the fun Dragon Ball game where I can go and just create a character and do the moves and chill. Yeah, plus, I mean, it's just, like, it's a different viewpoint. It's a different kind of combat system. You know, just It definitely feels more like Dragon Ball 2. Yes, Yes, it does. Even even though the visuals aren't quite as they don't 
measure up to the show. Well, actually, Dragon Ball Fighters looks better than the show. Let's be honest. Yes, it does. Uh, <laughs> but it, it definitely does it justice. And uh, anybody who who hasn't played this looking into it, you can totally skip the first Xenoverse. Xenoverse 2 has everything that that game had, plus a ton extra. So don't yeah, worry like about if, missing like out Like if on you played Marvel vs. Capcom, just play Marvel vs. Capcom 2. It's kind of the same thing with Xenoverse. Yeah, although I would say in that in that vein, there's a little bit more reason to play Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah, 2v2, and I guess possibly less broken, so that's possibly. true. Yeah, plus you get those awesome uh, assist characters. Yeah, those are those are interesting. But yeah, two is definitely a better game. All right, so last one today. What's your number seventy-one? Last one. This one may also surprise you, uh, and I, I'm I'm sticking with the Nintendo bandwagon Ooh. here. Another Pokemon game, actually. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like NES, like Nintendo going way back. But no, okay. well, I mean, this is still going way back. It's still pretty good. Game Boy Color, Pokemon trading card game. Oh, okay, that's a really good game. Oh my god, I feel like, why don't they do more card games like this nowadays? I think there's like a select few maybe Yu-Gi-Oh games that may have been on the PSP that kind of did it like this one, but every trading card game is just a microtransaction fest at this point, yeah, and it's it so annoying. Pokemon trading card game on the Game Boy Color took, you know, the phenomena that was the trading card game up until that point, and it took it almost kind of like a standard Pokemon experience where you weren't obviously catching Pokemon and, and fighting them, but you were, you know, you, you picked a deck at the beginning, you picked your your uh, your water, fire, grass deck, and then you you went to different towns, fought different players. When you defeated them, you got a pack of cards. You cracked it, you got some cards, you add it to your deck, or you build some other decks. And you go to different clubs around the world, which were basically the same as gyms. You challenge their trainers. You get you get the badges or whatever. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've played it. But Yeah, you do get badges. Yeah, you, you do that, and then you you know, obviously you you go and challenge the, the, the top players in the world. But all the while you are getting you know, getting extra packs of cards or random cards from doing side quests or things like that. Building your decks, and it's authentic to the trading card game. 100%. Oh, Except, yeah, and it's, it's fantastic. They even have a few exclusive cards in there, too. They had a, they had a few exclusive cards, and they also... Well, I th- a lot of those exclusives were... Two of them were cards that they couldn't actually bring into the, into the game because the uh, rules on the cards were too complicated for the Game Boy Color, which was, I believe it was the Jungle Electrode, had something complicated, and the Fossil Ditto, they couldn't recreate that. Um, But they did, I think they recreated, like, alternate cards for those. But you could get all those cards from from those sets as you played through the games, and that was... I remember, I played the ever-living shit out of that game. I, I I I played this game a lot not that long ago. It was actually... That's what I mean. It's been a couple of years. It's toward the beginning of 2017. My wife and I went to to Vegas. I had my 3DS, and I bought this game shortly before that on there. And I I played through the whole thing and had an awesome time. Had a basically recreated my actual deck I have in real life because it's been several years now. But I know me and you played like with our original Pokemon decks, probably like I don't know five to seven or so years ago. And we bust yeah, them was, back out. Yeah, that was a blast from the past. 
Yeah, I no, that created my kind of like water electric deck with the Electabuzz and then Blastoise and company, and I had a heck of a time. Yeah, I I, I have not replayed through the game. Uh, I should because I, I I always like every every couple of years I always get kind of like that itch to see what the trading card game has evolved into, and it's definitely a, it's nowhere near what it was back when this game came out. Uh, there's <laughs> a lot of power creep. A lot of new rules going on. Definitely a I, different game. I want to say it was whenever, I think it was whenever um, X and Y came out, like I got the itch again, and then me and a couple of my buddies got some, me and uh, Brad and Cube, we got some packs and stuff and like starter decks, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot different. There's like GX or EX Pokemon, you get like two prizes, and it was yeah. a lot different. Yeah. Pokemon card game was always, you know, the the one card game obviously because i was we were obviously huge into pokemon then so obviously we were very drawn to it but i i one thing i definitely appreciate is just like how close the card game resembles the actual game like it's very authentic to the the original experience and the in the trading card game well i mean it's not it's not the deepest game in the world but there's there's enough strategy there where you don't feel like you're fighting against learning the rules and you don't feel like you're just because you don't have the best cards that are available that you're going to be completely struggling the whole time. I actually think that game has pretty good balance to it. And, and, and this is the, the game on the Game Boy Color, not so much the, the card game itself in the real world. Definitely has... I mean, solid balance. Even I think even the game in general more so than, like he said, it was a lot easier to pick up and play than like the, you know, we played the Dragon Ball Z card game from Score back in the day, and that's like the equivalent of, of Calculus. Yeah, that's true. Trying yeah. to play that. It is fun if you actually finally figure it out, but man, the rules are not geared toward kids. It was pretty ridiculous. Pokemon card game is much easier to, to understand and play. Yep, and I say, same goes for the, the Game Boy Color version. Uh, how long did it take you to go through this second time? I want to say probably not super long, probably like oh, probably like 12, 15 hours. Like I, I got through it pretty quick, but I mean, I know like the first three sets of cards, like the back of my hand too, so I knew exactly what deck I wanted to build and kind of what I was looking for, so that definitely helped me power through it. Yeah, it's not too bad. I would have figured a little bit longer than that. That's a good. That's a good way to spend your time at Vegas for sure. Um, mostly on the plane stuff. But yeah, but <laughs> no, Jess had you. like her conference thing, so I was like, yeah, busted out. Yeah, may as well. Uh, one thing I remember is just like how insane it was, how good the the visual recreations of the cards were in relation to like how shitty the character sprites were in like the original Pokemon <laughs> games. It, it, it did kind of look like the Dollar General version of Pokemon with the actual like character sprites. But yeah, there's there's a lot to like about that game, and I I wish I do wish there was more card they, games. They, that had were a, like, they had a sequel with like gold and silver, and all the expansions come out in Japan yeah. in like 2001 or two. I wish they'd have brought that over. Yeah, that would be nice. I bet there's a I bet there's a fan translation at this point. Probably play it. I'd say so. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be worth looking into. I I know Nintendo likes their their online TCG uh, system they got going on right now. 
which is free to play with microtransactions. Although I do like the fact that when you buy a pack of cards out in the store, you do get a free pack of cards within the the online game. I think that's a cool middle road. Yeah, that is. I mean, I think I never, I don't think I ever registered mine when I got my packs. No, I didn't. I didn't either. At that point, I didn't really want to play online because this is the kind of game that I wanted closer to form to the regular Pokemon games where it's more of an adventure and you feel like you're just like earning that that progression instead of just, you know, paying to win, basically. But it's still fun to digitally crack packs regardless. There, there is still a certain excitement to that, and digitally battle each other. Like I wish that we could. Just, oh yeah, like, you could go do on that. the 3DS right. and actually battle each other, but I don't know that you can. Yeah, they may have removed that feature. Can you imagine trying to do that, play that game on two Game Boy Colors with the infrared connection? That would have been awesome. <laughs> that would be epic. I mean, the game would have never finished. We would have desynced about 20 times but there'd have been a lot of rage quitting unintentionally yeah <laughs> or maybe oh, yeah. intentionally <laughs> maybe intentionally yeah but yeah what a good time ah those are the gold that was the golden era of pokemon it was definitely you had a pokemon filled countdown i did not expect that at all. <laughs> oh i i didn't either i promise you there'll be a little bit of break but the, the trading card game, well, that was that was a late inclusion on my list because that was one that, you know, when I was originally creating the list, it's not one that I considered or even remembered because it's not a game that I'm, I often think about. But after I after I, I think I was like watching like a, a list of like the 10 best old school Pokemon games. I was like, oh, my God, that game was amazing. So game was had amazing. to include had to include it. Yeah, because I definitely want to go back and play it. No, it, it still holds up. I can tell you that. It holds up better than probably some of the... I mean, I got so much nostalgia for, for Red and Blue. I can't say it holds up better than that. But it's definitely a more streamlined experience. Oh, for sure. And it, at least it's a, it's, it's a unique take. So I'm always on board for that. Yeah, good list this week, for sure. So, Buck, where can they find us? Oh, as always, you guys can find us on uh on soundcloud and of course we're on twitter we're at buckchuck gaming give us a you know a like a follow retweet something shout out to us your favorite games we always love hearing from you guys and then we're also on the uh the itunes app store and i believe that's about it isn't it anywhere else oh that's pretty much it and as always i'm chuck and i'm buck and you've been listening to the buck and chuck gaming connection Thanks, Thanks, guys. guys.